Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net, and welcome to this very special HTDC podcast where we're going live. How you doing, Arden? So we've got a few people on here already. Some of the uh, HTDC community crew. It's uh, it's good to see you guys, and, and an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I'm here with co-host Rick Biller, who who you all know as well as uh, he he is one of the group moderators but also my partner in crime when it comes to these podcasts <laughs> oh yeah i'm trying my best at least to be your crime partner yeah yeah I and rick are you able to see these questions as well they are running fine hello arden hello pat good to see you all good to see you phil yep i am on the camera and uh you know what it's it's funny because i look terrible right now um, I've just gotten out of bed, and uh, I'm getting through my first coffee. Um, but you know what? Hopefully, I'll start to perk up in a little bit, and <laughs> we'll be able to... Uh, I will actually... The camera will actually love me a little bit more. Um, but what we wanted to talk about today, just so that we, we've got a bit of a theme for this podcast, is style and how to develop it. How you doing, Timothy? Um, or Tim, as you prefer to be called. I know that. Uh, but yeah, so it's so when it comes to style, a lot of people I've found, and I'm sure most of uh, you have found this as well, is that we tend to focus on developing a style very early on, and it becomes a little bit difficult to actually learn the things that we need to learn, the things that actually matter, if we're too focused on style. And I think, in my personal opinion, and and Rick, you might have a different take on this as well. When it comes to style, it's really something that you don't have to think about it. It's derived from your influences and the people who inspire you the most. And over time, as you start to take on board and imitate some of the techniques, such as the line work and the <laughs> thanks, man, and the the amount of detail that you incorporate into your work, the the rendering style, how you use the the cross hatches to kind of create various gradients or maybe you don't have a lot of detail at all right ultimately it'll all come down to you essentially taking from those who influence you and then incorporating that into your work and what that will result yeah. in is your own style it'll essentially be a compilation of all your influences with a little bit of yourself sprinkled in there as well yeah. um, but what are your thoughts on that Rick well I, and of course anyone listening Please, uh, please do let us know your thoughts as well. Exactly. Please feel free to ask away and we'll try to answer as best possible. But to your question, I totally agree and I've seen this way too much in the group as of late and it kind of gets annoying in the end when the <clears throat> question is the same. How do I, how do I find my style? How, how do I get better at the style I want? And people, so, people for, uh, tend to seemingly forget that what matters isn't about finding your style first. What matters is getting a good base, basic foundation on your proportions, on your, anathem, on, on your anatomy and your perspectives and everything like that first and foremost. And then while you do that and you continue to look at artists that inspires you, you will slowly, slowly get the style that you want and you, you're following 
the style you you shouldn't look for the style as I always say don't look for the style let the style come to you yeah absolutely um we've actually got a few good points here that um that Timothy is is hit on as well so style develops as you draw and it naturally evolves so true absolutely 100% i actually almost feel as though that when it comes to style um that eventuates as you get a hold on those underlying drawing principles as you get used to using the tools and and throwing down the line work that is ultimately like your style is going to reflect essentially where you're at as far as your artistic uh, development goes at least that's what i feel you know as every single day even now i'm a hundred percent looking at my artwork and it's becoming tighter it's becoming more and more refined and solidified essentially um, and it's a weird way to describe that but that's the best way that I, I can essentially express what what I feel style is and where it goes once you've found it um, because if you look at any other artists out there such as you know Mark Silvestri for example big influence on me of course you can probably look at my work and see a little bit of Mark Silvestri in it. Um, but if you look at his work and how it's evolved over time, it started out looking one way and it's ended up looking another way. Same with Jim Lee. Um, Jim Lee had, had a particular style, a particular look to his work back when he was doing Wildcats. He's got a brand new look to it now doing, you know, Batman or whatever he's working on now. Um, so, you know, as you get more experienced and as you get more confident, your style is going to essentially mature. Okay, and that's really what it is. You can think yeah. of it almost like the the timeline of a, a child growing into an adult. Uh, your style is kind of the same. It starts out, you know, a, a little bit inexperienced. It starts out, you know, it's got to grow, and then ultimately it'll go through the adolescent stage where it's you're still figuring things out, and then you know your style become becomes an adult, <laughs> gotta... essentially. Yeah, yeah. That's and a question. fully mature. It, it knows you know exactly what you're doing with it. There's a question here from Thomas Lewis, kind of following this subject, asking if cop uh, copying other artists' work is a good way to learn foundations, or is it just a stylistic impact? So I think yeah. he means uh, means directly copying another artist, if that helps mm. create your style, or is it, or if it's all also a helpful way to learn to learn the foundations, which is a good question because I I've seen it do it in his way which is a really good way to do it he uses other people's styles but then adds his own into it in order to learn the foundations put into the way that that artist he follows draws so yeah. he he does this in a good way to try and found foundations but in at most times copying another artist is mostly based upon learning his style or get something from his style rather than the foundations the foundations should be learned in the in the more proper way the more old-fashioned way so to speak where where it's taken from direct tutorials or teachings about learning mm. different and individual ways of improving yeah absolutely I, I agree with that as well because in the beginning I actually did uh, replicate works by David Finch and Mark Silvestri in the process of developing my drawing abilities and I did that because I believe that if I could 
redraw their work enough times, eventually something would click in my own mind and I'd be able to kind of pick up something from that and incorporate it into my own, you know, drawing, uh, my own drawing style, my own drawing abilities. Because, you know, I really wanted to figure out how these pros were doing it, essentially. And I, th I thought that, that was the best way, is to do what they do and, and so reap what as they reap, right? Uh, but what I found was that the, the one real advantage to doing that, to copying another artist, literally their artwork, not necessarily tracing. I don't think you get a whole lot out of that at all. I think oh, that no. maybe getting used to the drawing tools that you, you're trying to get good with maybe that would work you know for example if you you just picked up a new tablet or you, you're using some kind of new pencil or pen maybe then yeah for sure you can trace over the top of another image that'll get you used to the new tool you're trying to get get good at but um but what i found by, by actually redrawing it from scratch uh, from other artists was that it helped me to develop mostly my style Okay, so you're rendering like they're rendering. You're yeah. throwing down line work like they throw down line work, and maybe even ideas for composition and that kind of thing. But you really do have to backtrack a lot of the time and make sure that you've got your fundamentals handled first and foremost, yep. because that's where most of the power is. That's the bedding essentially for everything else you're ever going to do with this stuff. So you want to get that form down, the perspective, the proportions, the anatomy. And then start to go into the higher tier areas of this stuff, which you know go along the, the lines of design and yeah. composition and that kind of thing. And and in specifically with comics, you really want to try to get that readability happening as far as the flow of your sequentials. So, um, I Simone will, actually, I will, I will Simone threw out a question before. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, which which actually did touch on something quite similar, and uh, she asked, "What what do you feel is more important, being individual, or uh, is it okay to have similarities based on the people you admire as far as artists go?" And my my simple answer to that is, it's it's totally okay to to have a similar look to the artwork that you're doing in comparison to the influences that you have. I have a good example of that. Good um, mm. Victor Bogdanovich, he's uh, quite still a new artist on DC. He did a, he did a Asian Superman when uh, it just started. And his style looks a lot like Craig Cabullo, like really, cool. cl really close to it. So sometimes I even think, wait, is that Craig? No, no, it's Victor. But he's managed, yeah. to, managed to do it on such a level so it so it becomes his own as well and he's not just copying someone else he's ma made it his own so so that's a good that's a good example of that you can you can do it if you're able to do it correctly but it can be mm. hard to do rather than rather than maybe go your own way yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, any it's it's so funny. Like even the subject matter that you draw. So not not in the way that your artwork looks, but the subject matter. Whether or not you like to draw monsters, or you like to draw babes, or you like to draw superheroes, right? Um, that's all going to be based on the things that you already admire as well, the things that you already like. And so, it, I think as an artist, at the end of the day, what you're really expressing, what you is 
is everything that you're putting through the filter of you that you like, right? So it's your own taste. And I think that especially if you're taking the styles of influences that you like from, again, so let's take me for example. Most of you know that I have a very strong aesthetic that looks similar to um, Michael Turner. And if you combine that with Mark Silvestri and the likes of Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo and Jim Lee, then what you're going to find is that looking at my work, it's essentially its look is a compilation of all those influences. And the great thing about it is that if you're taking from your influences, you're going to like and be drawn to the look of your own artwork. And this is why I say to my students all the time, the first thing that you need to do is figure out who you like as an artist so that you can not only become inspired but also be able to start to direct the, the look of your own style. And your approach for that matter as well because there's, a, and your approach, yeah. there's thousands totally. of ways to approach different artists but if, you want, if your favorite artist is like let's say Alex Ross who is one of mine you can't really start you can't really start following the approach like let's say Jim Lee would because that's completely different and then expect Alex Ross put uh, uh, Alex Ross finished works so mm. you also you also need to know know uh, note understand the style that the artist you like is working in whether it's realism or it's very abstract cartoony or or mm. Western comic book, so there's a lot of work just trying to find, trying to cop, quote unquote copy, an artist style mm. or try and I'm still I'm still more of a fan of the whole work your own style out instead of copying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And there's different schools of thoughts on that as well because, you know, a lot of people will will be very uh, either on, on one side or the other where, hey, you know what, you shouldn't take from any other artist's work. You should be 100% completely original and authentic. And <laughs> then on the other side, if you're like me, it's, uh, well, no, actually, actually on the other extreme, it's <laughs> people who are literally tracing over the top of someone else's work and trying to use it as their own, which is obviously on both ends. It's kind of not going to work either way. So you want to find that, that happy middle point. And but you can I think understanding what what art is and how it develops, how your skill set is going to determine the look of your art and the level that you're at with that, the level of confidence you have in your own abilities, that's going to change the way that your artwork looks. Um, the the again the influences that we talked about previously, that's going to change the way that your art looks. Where you're at in life, how you're feeling, what's you know what's going through your mind. Um, the place that you're at on your journey, that's going to affect the way that your artwork looks. How inspired you're feeling, how motivated you are, that's going to affect the way that your artwork looks. So there's a lot of different things at play, and so it's important to understand that it's not just one or the other. It's not just coming up with an authentic style that is original and that is your own. That is uh, that is just fluff. It's a buzzword, really. It's, um, it's not real. Like, you got to translate the true meaning of that because an authentic style only comes about that looks like your own it only comes about later on when you've taken everything from your experience from your influences and then you've compiled it and then 
added yourself into it, right? Play, placed your own spin on it. Every other artist out there, the, the famous ones that, that you love and admire, all of their artwork is the same. It's all a compilation of those people who inspire them. And, and the, when it comes to originality, when people say that, they, they, I don't think they understand how Im almost impossible it is these days to be original in, in the sense that your art style can't look like anyone else's art style because it's been done so many times by so many thousands of thousands of different artists now that you are bound mm. to have something that looks just at least remotely like something an another artist have done or, or, or does still so yeah totally there will always be naysayers that will tell you that you are not original enough but you shouldn't let that either take you down because mm -hmm. as we as we just talked about it's seen many yeah. artists uses other artists as influence using mm. influence is never is never a bad thing i'll i'll happily say that until the day i die using influence is never a bad thing because that's how you progress directly yeah. cop directly copying another person like directly covering that's in my view is a bad thing but copying the person in order in order to give yourself a boost in your own path as an artist that's that's fine as well yeah there's a little bit of a, a dogma i guess attached to this stuff which um you know basically is is these false kind of belief systems surrounding art and uh you know what it all means and what you should do and what you shouldn't do in order to along the journey of, of becoming the artist that you're going to become and uh, oftentimes the truth and the reality of it is very very different to the beliefs that people have um, so I think that it's really important to make sure that you're keeping a balanced view on these kinds of things and rather than sticking to any one way of working or developing that you believe you should be developing in it's important to kind of keep an open mind about this stuff and be open to suggestion this is why the group is so great guys and by the way i, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to some of the people who've joined yeah um so jason awesome to see you here man i'm, I'm only going to <laughs> say your first names because i'm going to totally butcher your last names for sure uh nick so good to see you man thanks for being here crystal um, and I'll, Anneli, Crystal, Dietmar, yep. Dietmar has been very excited. Dietmar has been very excited about this whole podcast, so it's great seeing you here, and I hope you get some rest. We will be recording this as well, by the way, guys. So if you yeah. if you if you have have to miss some of this, it will be on mm. on SoundCloud on Monday. Yeah, it will be. Um, it'll it'll be there with all the other podcasts. <laughs> no worries, man. Um. Yeah, so so we're gonna probably go for about a you know another forty minutes or so, guys. So feel free to question, um, uh, ask us anything about the comic book yeah. art. Of course, I'm not gonna tell what you. I'm not gonna tell you my address. Something. Well, what like I love that. about everyone is um is just the fact that it's it, you guys aren't just asking questions. You're actually offering like super awesome value, right? So you know, Arden says uh, finding out some of the theory of art like how sharper lines can make something seem more intense or rougher and deciding if you want to incorporate it into your own art is a good way 
also define your style. Totally agree, man. And and it's an awesome point. Um, I think that you have to you have to be somewhat of a an inventor. You have to be experiment a little bit with this stuff. Um, sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone, try something that you've never tried before. Uh, maybe a different a different influence, a different style, maybe a different medium, a different way of working, a different finished aesthetic to the coloring or the inking style that you've gone for because you never really know what is going to best suit the work that you do until you go out there and ex- and conduct those experiments until you push yourself beyond your comfort zone and beyond where you're at and branch out into other areas and other potential I guess um, avenues that you could take your art in and sometimes that comes from drawing within certain subject matters that you, you're not all that familiar with. For example, I love fantasy and I love sci-fi and horror, but I'm not all that good at drawing, for example, uh, noir or crime-type comic books or anything like that, uh, you know, the Sin Cities, so to speak. Um, and I think that probably I could learn a ton from doing that, from focusing on those different genres. You know, the heavy shadows, as you guys know, I used to use a lot of heavy shadow, but I don't really use a whole lot of heavy shadow now because I'm kind of uncomfortable with it, to be honest. But I bet you, my bottom dollar, that if I was to do a noir comic and I was going to take it through from start to finish or just fill my sketchbook up with a few noir sketches um, or, or finished works, what I'd find is I'd become very good and very comfortable at, at drawing characters which are shrouded in shadow. Right, and that could and that could keep <laughs> your and that could keep your back as well because then then you think yeah. oh I can just hide this and this and this in the shadows but I tr- those people those people that knows how to use shadows also knows they have to draw the character underneath the shadow even though it's not shown mm. and many people forget that as well that you still need to like the the whole structure of the character or else your your anatomy or proportion will be looking bad even though you hide it with shadow and you you'll still be able to see that yeah exactly um so annalee says i came late maybe you've talked about this i have my own style but it's hard to package it venturing from illustrator to comic artist any advice? My lack of experience with text and frames and use of design space makes my overall work look bad. I practice, but any tips oh. is greatly appreciated. Oh, I, um, I, I'm I I come from an illustrator uh, type of work as well, so, and going to the comic mm-hmm. artist and pretty new to that. And I haven't even started thinking about the whole text and frame uh, the frames yet. I have with the panels and. I, I see I see doing the panels just as small illustrations on the on their own kind of like uh, what Alex Ross did how uh, Alex Ross's process is you can see a lot of his interviews on uh, his YouTube page about about that as well that mm. even though he has a storyboard to go from this time from a writer he still sees every little pan, panel as an illustration on its own and he may not follow in the same way, the same rules of flow in in a comic with the panels as as maybe other more proficient comic book artists does, but he still manages to make the illustrations look like 
individual because if you take if you take a simple Alex Ross panel, Clayton, you could you could easily mm-hmm. you could easily take that out and put up put up as an as an illustration on on its own, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, and that's big time. And that's his thing that I really like about him that he's not forgetting his roots and what brought him to uh, to be as popular in the comic book art, book arts as he is. That he still takes that with him and then adapts that and the comic book relations to it as best possible so it works out both ways because his way mm. of drawing comics uh, if you look at it from a professional with the flow and the panel setup and all that you can see even that is different from the usual ways of doing it mm. so basically what i'm saying Annalise, don't don't think you have to go to go a specific way with how you frame things with the panels and all that you should always remember what brought you, so to speak, what brought you to the dance and what made you want to do do it. Don't forget yourself in in it, even though you want to become an, a comic book artist. Don't forget what made you want to become one, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And and that's so true as well. Like, you know, again, Alex Ross, he has his own way of working that... Um, you know, isn't necessarily going to be a, a traditional way of approaching comic book art. But, I mean, that was the same deal with Todd McFarlane as well when he, he first, uh, you know, started Image, left Marvel and the bigger studios. He was kind of breaking the boundaries of that stuff and doing his own thing and essentially ended up, you know, revolutionizing things and um, re- reworking how comic books look today. You know, and we wouldn't have what we have today if if it weren't for comic book artists like that. Especially in the '90s, people, you know, artists went crazy with the way in which they laid out their panel work. Before that, it was you know basically a six-panel grid, and so it's it's definitely important to innovate and to try new things to come up with something which you know, and that's what makes your artwork original as well. Is if you are willing to to try new things out. Um, what I will say to, to add on to uh, Emily's qu- question is that one of the best things that I've done in terms of being able to come up with a, a smooth sequence, so just taking it outside of the illustration realm and jumping into comic books specifically, is I watch I, and I love movies. And so when I'm doing my research for a comic book or when I'm thinking in terms of a comic book, I almost try to visualize how the sequence would play out inside my head first, okay, frame by frame. And then I'll pick out the keyframes of that sequence. So I almost play the scene or the situation, the event that's unfolding that I want to have in my comic book as a movie. And then I'll take the keyframes out of that, the primary focal points, and I'll use those as my frames. And I'll think about how the camera is positioned and how it's how the characters are framed. And I found that that is, you know, it, it ultimately ends up with a very cinematic-looking sequence. And I find that that's kind of how people read comics. They read them in the same way that they do watch a movie. They, they, we're essentially showing a visual story. And although a movie has got additional frames incorporated into it, a comic book is pretty much the exact same thing. So uh, think of it that way. So the next time you're watching a movie, try to almost comic bookerize it in a way, right? So break it down into panels. If you were to, cr- this is why I love 
comic book adaptions of movies because you really get to see that process happening where the artist has taken a, a, a key moment within the movie and incorporated it into a frame within a sequence inside that comic book. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And it is scary to begin with, Emily. Uh, I just read your last comment. It is. It is It's scary, but... You don't get anywhere if you don't step out of your comfort zone, after all. And that's what being an artist all really is. Stepping out of your comfort zones in order to improve. So, you got to do it. You got to take the step out. Yeah, absolutely. There's been a, um, there's been a few uh, questions that we missed. I can't read all, all of them down, sadly. But I think you have a better chance. Yeah. Yeah, and we we have so many like experienced people in here, like uh, people who are watching the the live stream right now, who have actually made comic books, such as such as Nick and um, Melanchek, I believe your last name is. Uh, again, I'm I'm mispronouncing that, I know, but um, it's it's really awesome to see people in here who are actually in the game and they're out there making comic books and and offering their own insights. Because let me tell you what, I read Nick's comics. It really does feel like you're watching this this noir movie. Um, reminds me a lot of Metal Gear Solid, actually. Oh, really? Uh, amazing. Yeah. Need, oh, yeah. I need to find that then. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, it's always comic books. <laughs> always been a always been a fan of uh, noir stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, guys. Uh, you know, it's a lot of the time the way that you tell a story, as far as comics go, is also part of your style. Um, that's why. You know, we we all have our our preferences as far as comic books go, and the artists that create them, and the writers that write them, and the reason that we're we're drawn to them is is not only because of the look of the artwork, but also how the story reads, both visually and in terms of its writing, in terms of the dialogue. So that's also something that you can take from your influences and and those who inspire you, and I think that. What's important when it comes to developing your own style is knowing what areas to take influence from because there is a ton of them. There's a there's an absolute, uh, you know, there's a sea of different elements at play in any body of work as far as comics go. So you really want to try to sit down and analyze that stuff. I'd even say write down what you want to take and what you want to leave out of your own style because all of that stuff is is going to come into play later on. Um, so, you know, how to develop your own style? Again, find your influences, find the comic books that really get your creative juices flowing and make sure that you're taking on board everything that you can from those. Because if you are taking from the people you like and the comic books you enjoy, then you're going to really love working on the projects that you start. And no matter how much you, you, you're keen to jump into the, the next comic book project that you're going to, to venture, venture into, ultimately at the end of the day, these projects are long and they're tedious and they're going to challenge you. And the motivation that you have in the beginning is slowly going to detour off into you know, dedication and determination in order to get it done. So I think that it's important to make sure that you know <laughs> you have as much love for the project in the beginning and that the style that you're using and the kind of artwork that you're creating is going to to push you every day, right? It's you're going to be you wake up excited to work on the next page and the next draft for that comic book uh, that that may be a, a couple months in the making down the line, right? So, 
yeah i mean if, if you're out if you're creating artwork that you don't like that's going to be much tougher to, to pull that off that won't that won't really help you in the long run if you don't do what you love and uh, mm -hmm. just to uh, uh, go back to the comfort zone th zone thing there's a little talk here whether to always stay out of it or as nick wrote weave in and out of co your comfort zone I, I i rarely have the thought of the more you so you walk out of your comfort zone the bigger your comfort zone will grow with with that mm. and also there was someone i missed the name i missed the name on my end that asked if you could go too far away from being from it being a comic and becoming making it too cinematic mm. and if it if that get that could lose the the feel of a comic book and i'd say i'd personally say no as long as you have control over it i've seen many different artists like dan luigi if if uh, i probably bro uh, wrecked that last name but his style and his way of doing his comic is really cinematic to the point mm. that i've never seen it as much but he still manages to keep a hold of the comic book feel that to it there's maybe not as much as there could be but he still manages to keep it in and that's what we talked about we could it's such a wide spectrum that we could we can pretty much do with it as we want as long as the basic rules of of flow in panels is there and speed balloons is there as an example so i don't think you could go too cinematic if Mm. If if you do it right, yeah, absolutely. It, it's funny because I think it ultimately comes down to the reader and your audience um, as to how much that's going to be determined. Because I do know that it, it really depends on the the expectations you set in the beginning of your project. If you've drawn a comic book and it's beautifully rendered out, like the artwork of Alex Ross, for example. Um, and in the Kingdom Come series, then you're going to have set the expectations of your audience to expect that that level of work, to expect that particular aesthetic. But then, if suddenly you change that into, say, a stylized, cell shaded, anime-looking uh, comic book style, then that's going to to break essentially, you know, why your audience got into reading the comic in the first place. There's going to be too much of a disconnect. So I think it doesn't really matter. You can go cinematic, you can go super stylized, you can go a traditional looking comic book, you can go, um, you know, you can go really out there. You can really push the boundaries, push the envelope on what you're doing as far as experimentation goes, as long as you keep the expectations consistent for your audience. Because the moment that you don't and you go down a completely different path with your artwork, a completely different look or style, then that's when they're going to you know they're going to be used to taking in the comic and absorbing it and consuming it in one way but then all of a sudden if it changes it's it's basically like reading another comic book and when we when we become familiar with something and then it changes suddenly it's not the same as it was before it doesn't feel the same mm. so exactly. yeah i think i think it the sky's a limit just make sure that you're keeping things consistent calling back this is why this is why people get super annoyed when 
you know, they they get into a comic book series. Say Jim Lee's like doing all this mad artwork, and then all of a sudden, like five issues in, they put another artist on board that has a completely different style. Yeah. And then it's like, oh man, this sucks. I don't want to read that anymore. At least for me, if you if you're more of a visual dude or dudette, that's that's how it feels for me. Colin must. Uh... Um, I'm, I'm just gonna call you Colin. I don't even want to try that last name. Uh, he asked, "What's most important uh, to draw first, if it's the background or your the main character?" He he just recently put up a really kick-ass background uh, uh, illustration with a background on that I know both mm. of us were really, really liking. And yeah. he asked, "What's important?" Uh, he's struggling right now to make. After it's done, and he 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 heard our uh, people's critiques. What's what to do after that? Mm. And I'd say, you need to, as always, your your focal points is important. What you want people to look at is usually what you start with. And then, mm. if it's the characters that's most important, you of course draw the characters first. Mm. But you can all you can always always make lines up already for the background so they so they're involved uh, so so they don't stand out from the background but stands to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely, um, and and that's a thing as well. Like when it comes to backgrounds, I love them personally because they just add so much to the illustration and the character that may be the focal point within it. So what a background gives your characters is, is essentially context, right? They place them, in, it allows you to not only show the audience who your character is, but also bring them into the character's world, which is surrounding them. So backgrounds are kind of like, you know, they're a little bit underrated and they're not 100% focused on as an important thing to incorporate into your illustrations sometimes, but they do add so much when you can take the time to actually do them. It's in the name. Um, they're, they're worth learning, you know, learning about not only the way anatomy of a person, but also learning the anatomy of different architectures and different buildings and making sure that your reference library is full of architecture from all around the world, different cities. So that's why traveling is so great yeah. is because you get a real taste for just how different um, a a place can look so definitely something to to look into and to but focus it, on it's, i know that it's david finch has great courses on this stuff as well he does but it's basically to just to give a uh, a quick answer answer to it in my in my weird way it's basically right there in the in in the name background it's meant to be in the back when it comes to what to mm. focus on most always focus on what what you want people to focus on most. It's, yeah, totally. it's in the name background. Also, Ditmar had a quick question, even though most people has, has answered it with lots and lots of coffee, but he answered how mm. to best not stress out of a deadline. And I think both mm -hmm. of us have struggles with de deadlines now and again. I mean, not you, because you spent what, a year on, on one course all the time, so you, you have all the time in the world, but us real struggling artists. <laughs> ah, kidding aside. Yeah, I mean... Kidding aside, of uh, course. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's, if you haven't read my, uh, heard our podcast as of yet, I tend to poke Clayton with him 
be, being a rather slow, uh, not slow, but taking his time with his uh, recent course on how to run <laughs> comics.net. So it's just a pun, just a joke between us. But he, uh, but uh, with deadlines, the more you think about the deadline, the more stressed you become. Uh, you come from it, really. That's the best uh, the best answer I can give you. The more you focus on, oh no, this needs to be done. This needs to be done then and then and then I need to hurry. The more stressed you become, and the more you'll automatically fail because your your brain will react badly to to you stressing it. So even though you have a even though you have a deadline, treat it as if you don't have a deadline and just doing it for fun, basically. Mm. Yeah, I, I have two different modes. I have deadline crunch mode and I have take your time and make something special mode. Um, so I think that it really depends on your circumstance and the conditions under which you're working on your project. Um, so for me, I've worked in studios before mostly game studios and on uh, different projects that required comic book art, even on a commission basis, um, where people want it done at a certain time. And in those situations, you do have to kind of let go of trying to make it perfect, of trying to, you know, put as much love into it as you otherwise would if it was something that you were working on for yourself, if you wanted it to be, to be the absolute best that you could do. Um, but you still can, can you, you still can stress yourself, Clayton, because it, then it will be even worse yeah. after all. Yeah, it can be very very difficult to do that. Um, and you know, going back to you know working in a studio and as as far as style goes and actually enjoying the work that you're working on, this is another thing that comes up. Is say you have got a deadline, and on top of that, they want you to work in a particular style that doesn't quite mesh with you, right? You oh, know, no. maybe they told you to tone back the detail or the, the way that you do your characters or the, the, just the way that you present your work. You know, this is why Todd McFarlane clashed with Marvel so hard was, was because of exactly that. Yeah. Um, that can make working in a studio environment torturous, right? So that's why I'm always encouraging everyone to kind of go out there, especially right now in this day and age of the, the internet and, and technology and actually start your own project, even if it's just something that you work on after your day job. We all have day jobs. You know, I, I teach. Uh, I kind of teach once a week at the moment and work on the how to draw comics oh, stuff. Oh, you're lucky, uh, then. The rest of the time. You're lucky, And I'm, I'm very lucky. And I'm very a, grateful for that. Once a week, ooh but, la la, look at Mr. Fancy over there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, the, but the rest of the time, it's like... You know, any any possible amount of time that you can get, work on your own thing. Try to build up your own product, essentially, and set up a website. Even if you just have a day, a small little daily comic there, where you do maybe a page a week, that doesn't matter. That's cool. That's at least getting yourself out there. And in the end, I found a lot of the time, if you're an artist and you have a passion. A lot of the time, the money doesn't really matter as much as you think it does. Like for me, I remember in the beginning, I'm like, "Oh man, I have to make it work. I have to, you know, I wanna, I wanna own a helicopter one day. I wanna be rich or whatever." But I found that I've been very, very content on a minimal amount of money, just doing my thing every day. I mean, if I, I, I think about it this way, what would I do if I didn't have to worry about money? And to be honest, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, dream 
and it's not that much it doesn't require that much funding to actually live that dream in fact you could live the dream right now you could start that comic book today that you've been thinking about doing that you've been putting off and that goes back to something I'd like to uh, mention again even though we talked about it before earlier again plugging the podcast we talked about it is finding time to do art when you have a, not a lot of other th- things that needs your attention like kids family work in itself and for mm-hmm. me I've always been when I hear that question I I have a I have a daughter I need to take care of I have work luckily the work is teaching art but it's still with uh, with the uh, kids that has uh, a bad environment and needs some more attention than just doing art but mm. it all comes down to how how badly do you want it how badly do you want to do art because no matter what you do and or where you are in life if you look around to think about it is there is always something you can remove from your daily routine that may not mm. matter as much and then put in more time to do the art instead if that makes sense yeah absolutely absolutely um, we have a few little tips here as well from our, our members, the members of the How to Draw Comics community. Thanks so much, guys, for, for putting these in. So from Fausto, we've got take deadlines with a grain of salt. Make a checklist of um, what needs to be done. Example, character work, line work, background, etc. Get friends you know that can do simple stuff like filling in color. Use stress as a fuel to make your work better pour in all that stress Ooh. into the piece Ooh, like if it's more action if it's if it's a, a more action aggressive scene doesn't work so well if it's a if it's a peaceful scene so I actually a hundred percent agree with that and to kind of add to what Fausto was saying there I think a lot of the time this stuff comes from how you think about yourself yeah. if you be yourself and you believe yourself to be somebody who no matter what like how hardcore the deadline is you get the work done anyway and you're willing to put in the hours no matter what you're willing to make the sacrifices then you'll probably do that if you see yourself as somebody who can't be bothered and let's face it most of us kind of see ourselves that way sometimes we're like oh i just can't be bothered to work on this today uh, i feel so lazy i feel so sleepy maybe i'll have a nap uh then that's probably going to be how we act We'll, we'll act into accordance into our own beliefs about how we work and the kind of work ethic that we have. Um, so I think that, you know, again, try to, try to, I guess, create the kind of mindset that makes you indestructible with this stuff. Um, think about, you know, if you're in the process of learning how to get good at drawing comic books, then think about the kind of person you'd have to become in order to make that happen as soon as possible. How many hours would you have to put in the day? What would you be willing to sacrifice? Um, and and where do you want to ultimately end up? Really have a clear vision of the ultimate destination that you're heading toward. And I think that what you'll find is that if you begin adding acting in accordance with those characteristics, you'll actually literally, in reality, get closer to those goals. And you'll start to find that you get the same results as a person who had that kind of mindset, those kind of characteristics would get, um, which is pretty awesome, that we can literally manifest a mindset 
and a character for ourselves that allows us to achieve, achieve these great things. You, you know, you can think about all the greatest successes that are out there in the world. You know, again, the Todd McFarlane's, the Jim Lee's and whatnot. And if you really try to think about exactly what their mindset would have had to have been to get to where they are at and then take on that mindset, then you'll hopefully achieve the same thing. I'd definitely bet on it anyway. Well, that's what I did. And um, we haven't... Oh, sorry, but mm. uh, just to add to that's what I did personally, like only, let's say, five years ago after I had gotten my daughter and and everything, that was first, that was time, only five years ago. I've been painting all my life before that, but I really didn't have a end goal with everything. I was just walking around in the dark, so to speak. And it's easy to get lost if you don't have that end goal. So I put myself in, okay, I want this now. And I want this, yeah, out, of, uh, this out of it. And as soon as I put that in my head, and it got planted, uh, planted there in my head as a rock-solid foundation of how I wanted to live the rest of my life on, it became natural and I became more focused automatically. I found more time that I thought I'd never had have because I was doing this and that. I was I was driving DOC rally cars for for fun and as a hobby. I threw that out in order to focus on on my art. And as soon as you have that goal set in stone in your brain, things will open up for you. Until then, you will waltz around, so to speak, in the dark and not really know where to go and and what to do with with your art. So make have a goal for yourself. What do you want with what you're doing? And that goes for everything you basically do in life. Hmm. Yeah. Never let anything stop you, or you know, never be at the whim of uh, of circumstance or anything like that. You've really got to have that clear goal in mind, and then once you embark on that mission, you can't let anything stop you. So, Arden, just to answer your question, you asked. You're talking about getting your your comic book into Heavy Metal magazine. Well, that's awesome. But if it doesn't happen, hell yeah, post that online, right? Uh, start your own Heavy Metal magazine and, and start getting your, yourself out there. Like seriously, I know it sounds crazy to do things like starting your own comic book studio or publishing your own work and, and things like that, but people do it all the time. And they are doing it right now. And they're earning money from it. They're earning a living. And guess what? They don't have to do what they're told. Uh, they don't have to listen to some other art director or editor, or you know, even worse, somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, and of course, um, of course, it's not easy. You're you're not supposed. It's not. You're not. It's su- hard. It'll be the hardest. The, the thing you love most in life, and the thing that you want to achieve, the greatest goal, will be the hardest thing that you ever do. But it'll be worth it. Yeah. So go ahead. And most people never do what they love. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> You don't do it because it's yeah. easy, because then everybody can do it, and where's the fun in uh, fun in that? You you make your goal, you make your goal, and you go for it. That's basically all you can do. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Emily had a great tip here as well about deadlines. So, uh, she says my deadline tip. I use it for freelance and illustration gigs. Is calculating how much work you you need to get done each day to meet the deadline. If you have a day with flow and if you can make more than what I've written down, than what what you've written down, 
one day, I just keep on working so the pressure eases up when the deadline approaches. A lot of the time, I finish before a deadline and can remake some stuff or polish it off. And that's 100% true. Yeah. Um, as, as Annalise said, if you're in flow, keep on pushing that. Keep on working, you know, what do they say? Uh, ride the wave, so to speak, and try to get as much done as possible because you are inevitably going to have those days where you just can't get into the zone, okay. where you just, like the last thing you want to do is actually work on that project. Yeah, Clayton, I got I got something, I got the, my usual speaking challenge for you right now before it's too late. Oh really? Say, okay, cool. Say her, oh, no. say her full name. Say her full name. Clayton Barton. No, her full name. Oh, the silence that was. Uh, <laughs> Annalie Orlando Berglund. How did I do, Annalie? Did I do well? Yo, <laughs> you know, it's funny because teaching a lot of the time when I'm when I'm just teaching a new class. Of people, I've got you know a bunch of names on the roll. I go through this every single time. Every single time I have a new batch. That's of why students. you're so good at it. <sighs> we'll see. It took it. Uh, we'll it see. only took you for what four four podcasts to get my name as perfect as you've got it now. So that's mm. that's good. And I come from Denmark, and she's from Norway. I guess from her name. And I'll say I, I'd say you at least. I'll try to see if I pronounce it right then. Anneli Olander, Berlund. So you were close mm -hmm. if it's spoken as me, but let's see if she agrees who was closest. <laughs> yeah, we'll but we, we do this in the podcast, guys, where I tease him, where I give him some of my Danish tongue twisters and such here and here and there. Mm -hmm. Just just to just for the fun, just to keep him out keep him up on the up on his toes yeah oh Annalise right. says good yep awesome we've, we've got a down pat um tim mason says uh in a few years i will be able to fully retire and all my kids are growing and still in my early 50s so i would love to focus completely on my own comic i've given myself these next few years to work towards that totally Perfectly. tim Perfectly. absolutely man. you never get you never absolutely. get too old yeah uh, that's great to hear, Nick. I'm really great. I'm really grateful for that. We were really nervous. And, uh, we were really nervous about doing it live, to be honest. But it's really, <laughs> yeah, really we great. Were to work it out. Yeah, um, but it's it's really great to have you guys here as well, and and that your contributions are just say so much about the community that we've created together. The fact that most of you here are just constantly giving. You're giving tips and advice with us rather than taking and it's it's amazing like we we didn't even expect that we expected to be answering your questions which we thought would be fun enough but uh just the fact that you've, you've given so much of your own gems of wisdom and insight is is amazing so thank you for that oh you only come back here Emily only came back to hear her name uh, we were trying to see who which of us was at best to pronounce it You'll you'll have to you'll have to uh, you'll have to listen to the podcast when it comes up on Monday and then give us and then tell us. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm really I, I kind of knew it would happen because we got as you said so many awesome people that are really to share mm. share their own inputs with everybody yeah. else, and that's what makes this group so good. 
we mm. have so many people willing to help no matter the experience and people no matter the experience willing to listen as well i've seen people exactly. i've seen people that aren't the best at writing uh, at at doing doing the the art stuff themselves but even though you're not the best at doing it you you may still have a lot to offer as as being helpful and people that may be better than them still listens to listens to what they have to say yeah because no matter how experienced you are there's always more to learn and that's why i always try to keep myself in check and i encourage anyone else who is at a very high level to keep themselves in check and to make sure that you're still leaving yourself open to getting to greater levels of skill to evolving to to growing further because the moment that uh, you think that you're good enough is the moment that you will to close the doors to further progress. So even if even if you're getting advice from somebody who is less experienced than you, they may be seeing things that you're not able to see on the level you're at anymore. So, you know, things can kind of, you know, sneak in underneath the radar sometimes and it's thanks to the people that are out there. You know, even artists that don't even draw, right? You know, most of your audience won't be artists. They're going to be consuming your artwork. So, if you if there's an a person that's not even an artist giving you feedback listen to them and if there's people who are more inexperienced then listen to them as well um, because again it's not just people on the same level as you or higher that's going to be able to give you valuable feedback it's people in the lower levels as well that are going to tell you things that are maybe given from a different perspective that you wouldn't have otherwise thought of because and, um, every everyone no matter how good or bad they are can see if something looks wrong but yeah exactly. but accompanying with experience they may be able to pinpoint what what may be wrong better but you can still get as much good a uh, good constructive critique from one that just says okay this area looks wrong i'm not entirely sure because then you're forced to think for yourself hey he's right but what can it be and then you have to work your brain yourself and that also helps you to to progress and get better in your own way by having to rethink mm. what you did what may be may be done better the next time i saw mark uh, i will i will ruin your name but mark who is singer it just popped up and said hi he's really active in the group as yeah. well and he have he has his own uh, f- facebook group as also a uh, facebook page really great artist he's been around almost since day one of this group since i've been around yeah, he's, yeah. he's been around so great to see him great to see all of yeah, you absolutely. of course yeah and um and we really appreciate you being here guys so uh what what do you say rick should we maybe do a live version of the podcast every four weeks or so and uh and make this a regular thing well i think no i think people have been so been welcoming and good that we, we should at least try it uh, try it again next month yeah, definitely. I think it's been awesome, and and I know that you guys um, appreciate it. And it's so cool hanging out with you as well. Welcome, Mick, um, like, from the Philippines. Yeah. It's morning in the Philippines as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's been an hour, so uh, we won't keep you too much longer, guys. Um, we'll sit. We, we'll sit around okay. and talk, of course, if uh, a little bit, um, <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, have you got any announcements, Rick, that you need to throw out there at yeah, all? Yeah, I actually have something. In the group right now, there's a poll 
about the win the the winner of of the how to draw comics challenge. Me and in the latest podcast, me and Clayton each picked one that we found to be their our favorites, and we put it up for a vote on a poll. It's under announcements right now, and it will be until Monday, I believe. Monday. And so far, it hasn't had a lot of votes, so I will really appreciate it if you guys drop in and give you and uh, give you a vote to that, so we can find uh, find find the winner of the challenge of the month, and so I can get started with the next month challenge. <laughs> totally, totally. All right, then we'll uh, we'll, is, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Jules is all in for another life. Sorry? Jules is all in for another live show. Totally. You say care, Nick. Totally. Yep. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for being here again. Really appreciate it. We'll see you back here in about uh, another four weeks. And as far as the podcast goes, you'll be able to check this out on Monday and listen back to it. It'll be available on the site and also iTunes now. The podcast is available on iTunes. Oh, yeah. That was the announcement you were poking me at, wasn't it? I forgot and, it. Yeah, Damn it. Yeah, Damn it. <laughs> and um and yeah, we'll uh we'll have another podcast coming out every week between now and when we next catch up on the live stream. So it was, thanks again guys. It was amazing. An Amazingly pleasure. fun guys. Thank you.